Today's episode of Tampering is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest in uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, Stop waiting. Join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to tampering.robinhood.com. That's tampering.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co forward slash fees. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Welcome to Tampering with Sam Amick and Joe Varden. The game that we all cover is a beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Uh-huh. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Is right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. It's <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention deans anymore. That's what I like to put in covering the ring. Trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not right inside. Hey, hey, we don't have to tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Tampering, the Athletics NBA Insiders podcast. I am Joe Varden. I am not in an arena. There are no PR professionals following me tonight, uh, and I am joined, of course, by my colleague and pal, Sam Amick. Sam, what's up? Joe, what's going on, my friend? I uh, always thrilled to be here with you. I just got back from an arena. I'm going to give a free commercial to the Harlem Globetrotters, the family had a great time at the Golden One Center. little change of pace with hoops, but but the family fun style. So uh, out of the arena, back home. And, and by the way, just because you're home, I mean, they're, they're probably tracking you digitally. It's just you're never safe when you uh, muck <laughs> it up with the Cavs. That's right. That's right. You know, before we, we have Bill Orem, who is in a rush, uh, we, we've got to get him in and out because uh, he is uh, rebuilding his entire yard uh, today in, in greater Los Angeles. Um, but I wanted real quick, uh, I've been thinking about this. Do you have a song like when you were in high school or however far you played sports that when you hear it, it gets you so jacked and pumped that like you start hearing voices like do you have that song? Because I keep hearing mine. Like I heard it again on my run this morning, just on some random serious channel. And uh, so oh, I thought I run. would I didn't, that. I didn't know this about you. I, <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but I work out. It took about 45 seconds. Yeah. That's right. I feel like we haven't talked about this in a while. No, that's fair. My, I mean, that's a fun little category to go into. Um, it's Mine's kind of cliche, but it is. Back uh, in black. Yes, you're close. You're really close. It's, it's thunderstruck. So okay. my my ill-fated high school football career, and just to paint the picture for you, with my my 1977 Ford F100 truck that had uh, not one but two shades of green, one of them looking like vomit. Um, so I'd I'd be in the parking lot, like with everything but the shoulder pads on, you know, ready to to finally go into quote unquote battle. 
um, hoping I might get, you know, more than 10 minutes of playing time. And, uh, <laughs> and, and Thunderstruck rocking on the, uh, you know, the fuzzy radio and, and getting psyched. So that would be my song. I heard mine today, Joe. I heard mine. <clears throat> Steve Perry, Oh Sherry. Oh, you know that one? Oh, yeah. Oh, Bill's uh, Bill's going to feel left out. we got to get Bill's song here. Bill, it's probably going to involve a banjo if it's coming from you. What, what's your favorite song? <laughs> it's, you're not far off. Um, you know, I remember when I was in high school, we uh, would come out for basketball and we had actually, and I'm a band kid. Like I'm like, my mom was the music teacher, like up until high school. Um, but we, we actually like got the pep band to stop playing when we were on the court so we could play our own music and we would always run out onto the court. And I, you guys have to understand, like I'm from Hicktown, USA, like 200 kids in my high school, a public high school that pulled from like five towns and they found 200 kids. Um, and the song that we would run out to was Dirk Bentley. What was I thinking? Nice. Nice. I like that. Hey, I, I don't like my uh, internet's being funny tonight. My song before I get before I get cut off by the internet again is Our Lady Peace, Superman's Dead. I'm drawing a blank. Am I alone? I don't know, <laughs> I don't that, know one. that one. It's a good let's, one, man. Let's go to the Google. I don't know. You gotta, you gotta type it in. <laughs> it's good stuff. We're going to the Google. Can we play it without having to... Wait, what's the name of it, Joe? Superman's Dead by Our Lady Peace. There's some words in there. It says, ordinary is just not good, not today. Like, that's that's good shit, man. You know, you're ready to come on and do a podcast. Like, can't be fucking ordinary today, guys. Can't do it. The athletic motto. Yeah. That's the athletic motto. <laughs> no ordinary. So there you go. That a boy. So all right. Well, you so that that may, that makes you Superman, right? Am I seeing this correctly? Well, Superman's dead. I don't know. No, Superman's dead. Yeah, all right, I'm confused. Are you worried that you're not liked? Ooh, good, good. Uh, just great, great way to open the song there too. I like it. I don't think I ever heard this song by, by Cavs PR. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Amen to that. All right, let's get Bill's insights here. Lakerland. What do you got, yeah. Joe? Lakerland. Okay, so Bill Orem, you cover the LA Lakers. They're a fairly prominent team. Um, they're having a hell of a year. We've been trying to get you on for a bit. Uh, the latest on on you know the Lakers front. So they give Rob Palinka a title that um, that six months ago was the type of title that nobody thought he would have. Um, president of basketball or vice president of basketball operations, general manager. It's an upgrade promotion and title. Um, also uh, comes with an extension. And again, this is the same executive who uh, just was getting absolutely crushed uh, not that long ago in the media by the fans for everything from possibly not uh, holding on to enough salary cap space to go shop for a third free agent uh, in the summer after doing the Anthony Davis trade, the back and forth with Magic Johnson, where, uh, you know, Magic publicly saying that he was a backstabber. Um, quite the turnaround. So again, there's a couple Lakers things to get to, but you wrote about this the other day and, and not just the Rob story, but the greater implications of, you know, the, the status, uh, state, state of affairs rather uh, right now with that squad. How do you see this? Why does it matter? Well, I think it matters just because, you know, I think, I think there's probably some subtext to giving Rob Palinka an extension and whether it was Rob Palinka asking for an extension or Jeannie bus recognizing the, um, kind of the, the landscape, but 
after Magic Johnson left, they never filled the position above Rob Palinka. They've general manager has kind of, you know, as long as Mitch Kupchak was uh, the general manager was kind of the, the number two position with the Lakers. And, and there was always an executive vice president of basketball operations in Jim Buss, or there was um, a president of basketball operations in Magic Johnson. And before Jim Buss, Jerry Buss served kind of as the de facto um, uh, president of basketball operations. But, um, the Lakers left that seat vacant. So the Lakers had never filled that position above Rob Palenka. And and you don't necessarily need to have something above your general manager in terms of like a basketball decision maker, but the Lakers structure always had been that there had been somebody. And so the, you know, kind of that storm had passed. Nobody was really asking anymore what was going to happen with that position because the team has been winning. But when it comes to just stabilizing the franchise, plugging holes, tying up loose ends, um, it's certainly plausible that, you know, trade deadline comes or the end of the season comes and the Lakers have questions, you know, that could, that could be one of them. What are you going to do at the top? Is Rob Palinka really your guy? He's had a year. Are you going to give him an extension? Are you going to give him a promotion? Is he the president of basketball operations? So I think Jeannie Buss tried to kind of take care of that in a, in a way that it was going to, you know, pass a little bit more under the radar. It was just going to tie up those loose ends. And and listen, this is a, a summer where everybody assumes they're going to get Anthony day, but you also want to make sure you're doing all the, all taking all this precautions that are, is going to allow that to happen. And you don't want to be in a position where an opposing team can say, well, they haven't even like, they haven't even given their GM a, a public vote of confidence. They haven't, they haven't even stabilized exactly what what's happening at the top. So they take that out of the equation. They make it clear that Rob Palinka is the guy. The thing that I thought was interesting. And I talked to a few people over there um, kind of in the inside Lakers walls who felt the same way was it's the vice president of basketball operations. It's not president of basketball operations. Magic Johnson was the president of basketball operations. There previously hadn't been a president of basketball operations, but Jim Buss was at least executive vice president of basketball operations. If you go through the Lakers media guide, they have a dozen vice presidents. So just the title vice president on its own with the Lakers doesn't really strike me as that powerful of a position. Um, I thought it was interesting that Jeannie Buss stopped short of executive vice president or president of basketball operations. And it makes you wonder, was she trying to kind of appease uh, the sort of uh, uh, efforts and, and kind of keep those in line while also leaving herself some flexibility down the road. Um, it's certainly one way to interpret it. The other way to interpret it would just be Rob Palinka still a third year general manager. Um, you appreciate what he's done. You're trying to boost him up. You're trying to stabilize things in the front office, but you don't want to get too carried away. Um, that, that would make some sense too. Um, but I did think it was interesting that he didn't get the full title that uh, magic could have. So Bill, you wrote the hell out of this. Um, I love this story and it's, you know, I mean, this is a story where you're reporting and reacting to the news. So, you know, everybody on the beat is writing something like this, but, but I just thought yours was really good. And I loved your line, forget LeBron. This has been Palenka's revenge season. I thought that was hilarious and also true. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> last year was not so good. And this past summer was not so good uh, until they made the trade. And then even at the time, you know, they were able to get Anthony Davis, but they couldn't get any other free agents uh, of consequence, or so we thought. And um, and now here they are, they're, they're first in the West. So I guess, one, do you feel like Palenka has rebounded from kind of everything that was so ugly last year? And then I, I'm also just wondering, why did, why the exact timing? Why make this move this week? Yeah, I don't know if there's a great answer for why 
right now and as opposed to in a week or in two weeks i you know i think we're getting close to that buyout that buyout market where you're going to have guys like um perhaps andre Iguodala, who's going to be you know kicking the tires on a few organizations seeing who to join um so the the rule that applies to you know the anthony davis thing of of you know, getting your ducks in a row and looking as as competent as you can organizationally before the anthony davis uh, um in earnest is, is true of the buyout market and guys like Andre Iguodala, they want to see that, that you are, um, that you are fully aligned organizationally. So we're getting close to that. The trade deadline's coming up. Um, you know, Palinka had just, had just extended the extension to, uh, offer to, to AD, um, turned it down as, as we all kind of expected. But, um, I mean, certainly maybe there's some of that. Maybe Jeannie thought that was a job well done, but I think that this was probably something that she was gearing up for. Things are going really well for the Lakers. Um, I think, you know, an extension or a promotion for an executive who has mostly stayed out of the spotlight is, is, is something you can kind of slide in, um, kind of amid all the good vibes. I mean, you don't want to do it when, when there is, when there is conflict or when people are starting to question whether the Lakers are as good as we thought, or if Palinka did as good of a job in the summer as we previously thought. But Joe, you're 100% right about, um, about, the, the turn Rob Polinka's taken. I don't know if you can say, I mean, I think he's definitely rebounded. I don't know if you can say he's fully recovered just because last year was so uh, dramatic. And I, and Laker fans had it, you know, kept hearing Magic Johnson calling him a backstabber um, stories you know, in which you know, you know, Rob Polinka was accused of lying or being dishonest or, or telling stories, you know, the, um, the story about Heath Ledger kind of continues to make the rounds. You know, Rob Polinka had really taken a lot of hits and, and what he did was, and we keep using the word stabilize, but in, in the off season with the moves he made, you know, I thought he really kind of, um, you know, corrected course, at least on his image, but it's also been six months. It isn't even the all-star break yet. The Lakers look like a contender, but they haven't been to the playoffs yet. We haven't seen how they're going to hold up in seven game series against these other, you know, stalwart teams in the Western conference. You know, if the Lakers somehow get bounced in the second round, uh, you think Rob Polinka is not going to be under fire. You don't think there's going to be questions for the front office and kind of how they're going to handle it in the off season. Um, so I think for Jeannie, it's at least trying to make, make things as, um, as, 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 as much set, set up for success as possible with the front office and avoid being, you know, hearing questions of, about what, whether Rob Palenka is actually the guy in that position. But I think, you know, you can certainly make a case that he has earned a promotion based on the, the results of this season alone. Um, the goal was to make the Lakers a championship contender. They certainly look like that now. Um, I don't know if he's fully absolved of the, of the past sins because I think it's going to take a larger sample size to know for sure. But um, the season has been a pretty strong endorsement of the job Rob Polinka has done. I wanted to talk to you about your very favorite topic in all of the NBA, uh, media access to practice. <laughs> Man, this, I, we got to tell the listeners, this is, this is raw. This is raw. We didn't even give Bill a heads up. I didn't even know about this. This is Joe, Joe going rogue. Here it comes. This is going to be fire, kids. I know. I, you know, I just, uh, I mean, Bill and I have had uh, a glass of wine or two over the last couple of weeks, and I've been around the Lakers. Should we get uh, Josh uh, Robbins on uh, the call? Uh, oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> um, listen, the, the Lakers don't practice. They hardly practice. I guess they're practicing a little more now that they've been home more, but. They barely practice. They barely shoot around. 
uh, or at least so we're told. Um, and so are they really not practicing or are they ducking reporters? What's going on? Well, uh, the Lakers have a thing that they like to call uh, get what you need days. And this, and this is a carryover from Luke Walton when he came down from, from the Bay Area. This was a Steve Kerr thing where the team would have optional practices. They'd come in, they'd shoot around, they'd lift, you know, they'd watch some film, but it was optional and it was get what you need. And, um, the, you know, kind of the media joke is, well, we didn't get what we needed. And <laughs> the Lakers do do that a lot. Um, and, and they've kind of gone the way of some Doc Rivers teams. And I've, and listen, I've covered the Lakers for seven years, but this is the first time I've covered a team that was even sniffing the playoffs. Um, and so the teams I've always covered practiced all the time because they had a young, lot of young guys they needed to develop and guys who were, um, you know, there was no, there was no reason not to practice. It was indefensible not to practice, but I did briefly at one point cover the Clippers for half of the season. And doc rivers would only practice if there were two days between games, you'd practice the second day, um, between games. And, and that was just the rhythm of that team. The Lakers rhythm is that they practice at home and almost never on the road. They do not shoot around, especially on the road. Um, you know, they, they do a walkthrough and a, and some film at, at the, at the hotel. And then they have an optional thing at, at the arena where some players will go. Um, the best I've been able to tell those have been more optionally attended than the get what you need practices at home. But I mean, we certainly have less access to this team than any I've ever covered. Um, and it's, it's, it's a function of having, you know, you know, tons of veterans, veterans who have a lot of control over, over things like, Hey, are we practicing? Or are we having a get what you need day? I mean, I've heard LeBron and Anthony Davis talk about this in the post game locker room. Like I'd be good with a get what you need day tomorrow. And it's like, okay, well we know what's going to happen. Um, and it's made it, it's made it. <laughs> well, yeah. Like Bill, you and I've talked about that offline. Um, and how it, it's a, and Joe and I have too, I think on the show, the dynamic with Frank Vogel is interesting because Frank by and large in the past has been a practice shoot around, you know, kind of more of a hard driving coach, when it comes to wanting that time, no matter how good his team was, Pacers teams, you know, whatever the case may be, what you have now is this unofficial negotiation on a daily basis between Frank and mostly LeBron. But, be, you know, when you're 32 and seven, then the star player is going to win that discussion more often than not. And that's, I think, you know, definitely a major reason why you guys are seeing, you know, so many get what you need, uh, need days and skip days. I do wonder if they uh, like even during that stretch where they lost four in a row, you know, did they do anything else? But I think, you know, that's that's kind of the way the dialogue is going. So LeBron, by the way, um, by far has spoken less to media this year than he ever has in his career. Um, I guess I, I guess the, I guess the one asterisk would be he missed so many games last year, so he wasn't required to speak. So I guess I guess we have to say um, he's missed. He's he's speaking to the media less than he ever has so long as he's been active. Um, but as far as just the frequency and, and those kinds of things, I mean, it's just different. Uh, it, it, it is. And, um, you know, I, I mean, he's been in the league so long and he's done so much that on the one hand, I don't know like how much else the, the, the man needs to say, but it's just, it is noticeable. Um, you know, what, what has LeBron said this year of consequence, Bill? I mean, am I, what am I forgetting that he's where he said something that really made waves? I mean, the 
we can skip over the one. I mean, that's the only time he's made waves is the China, China. story, right? That's it. I, I mean, I mean, I suppose you could point to when he talked at shoot around about the Kyle Kuzma tweet trainer. He's certainly, I mean, but I mean, that's not a situation where he's making news. That's a situation where he's responding to news and, and kind of um, calming a, a gathering storm. You know, LeBron has taken on a very, um, kind of arm's length approach. I feel like this season with, with kind of the narrative of his team where, you know, you ask him about something that they're doing and he'll have, you know, a prepared line, uh, along the lines of, um, we don't want to talk about it. We want to be about it. And that's something I've heard him say more times than I can count this year. And, and yeah. that, and that seems to be sort of a, you know, a bit of an, an ethos for this team where, where they don't, you know, where everybody's on the same page and where they are just going to go out and, and beat the shit out of people and, and dominate and kill. Like that's get something else we hear from them all the time is we want to dominate every opponent. You heard Kyle Kuzma say that last night in a game where they didn't have Anthony Davis or LeBron and said, and said, you know, regardless of who the opponent is or how shorthanded we are, we still want to go dominate the opponent. And, and so I, I do think there is a Bill, little is that, bit of, is that young star Kyle Kuzma? Is that who you're talking about? Yeah. Young star? Yeah. Boy, you really stepped in it, huh? Look at you with no, your, man, with your loose, nothing, loose lips. Man. I love nothing. the argument. I, lo- I love the argument. I love the star argument. Like, okay, first of all, you don't have to be an all-star to be an NBA star. Like, think about the kid who's like in Walmart. Well, you got to give, con- give context real quick. I, but, Make fun of me. I, Go I, ahead. I, I just general like they're in the NBA. They're playing 25 minutes a night. That's a star. That's an NBA star. I don't understand like why we like have to get so down in the weeds about the definition of a star. Sam no, but- wrote a story about trick Kyle Kuzma and, and in his tweet said something along the lines of, uh, the Lakers weigh whether or not they should trade their young star. Um, I mean, I, I, for one, thought it was totally fine. I have no problem with it. We, the, the reason this is this is hot for me is I had this conversation recently about Montrez Harrell because there was a story about Montrez Harrell where it, where he was referred to as the Clippers star, and he's not the Clippers star, but he's still a star on that team. Like he's still an NBA star. He's still a vital piece of a championship contending team. Like I don't have a huge objection to the term star used on players other than LeBron no. James. So anyway, I'm on your I mean, side. Jokes aside, I'm on your side, Sam. You shouldn't be. It shouldn't have been in the headline. It, but it speaks to like how I threw you under the bus there. Thanks for the support. <laughs> I uh, they it, it really jokes aside. Like it speaks to how down people are in general, just fans and social media chatter on Kyle. And before the last couple games, where he certainly had an uptick. Uh, I mean, I almost felt bad for him from the standpoint of like, man, like folks are coming at you because he did have all this promise and optimism around him before when the pressure wasn't there and they were the the young developing Lakers. And then, you know, when you don't fulfill expectations, this is what you get from the general public, which is they're going to get mad at somebody who calls you a star if you're if you're not playing well. The Kuzma thing, man, it it took a turn the last couple of days because we're talking about him uh, in terms of trade season. And what might happen there. And to, to make sure people understand, like no one in the media is picking on Kyle, but he's kind of the Lakers only legitimate piece to move if they were going to make an upgrade. And up until the last couple games, he just simply had not played like a guy who looked uh, like a necessary piece of their puzzle. And then AD uh, has an injury. LeBron is out and Kyle drops 36 without those guys. I forget what he had the game before. He had a, another big game. And so more for Rob Palenka to chew on. But, um, you know, again, we're going to keep monitoring his stuff for sure. 
Yeah. And I don't know if the, like, you know, isolated games for Kyle have been, have been there this year. You know, he's had, he's had moments where he could point to him and where LeBron and everyone else in the locker room has said, that's the Kyle Kuzma we know. And the Kyle Kuzma we expect to have, you go back to the way he played even on Christmas, uh, in the loss to the Clippers, he was the, he was the, probably the best player on the court in that game before the last few minutes. Um, you know, he hit the big shots in Chicago to key a comeback on the road early in the season. So, I mean, Kyle's had his moments. It's really going to be about stringing them together and, and, and kind of being that guy night in and night out who bring, who brings kind of that consistent energy off the bench. But, um, I thought the way you, you framed the discussion around him just now was really good. He is the only piece they could, tr- the only real asset they have to trade if they are, if they're looking to make a move and, and up until now he hadn't, he hadn't made himself, um, indispensable. And, and I think he's aware of that and he's trying to change it. Can I share in real time, Joe, I probably stepped on you there. Sorry, buddy. Uh, just for fun. And, and, you know, usually normally I wouldn't be sharing, you know, private text messages. Uh, the timing is perfect here. Our, Our buddy Howard Beck from Bleacher Report, um, sending me a very friendly text, uh, apologize not apologizing referencing the fact that he was on the the uh the low post podcast with zach low where they they mocked my third or my young star headline and reference and i'm getting may a couples now and, and even getting an invitation to howard's pot so in the end i think i'm winning here i think i'm gonna have the the last say this thing is is not stopping i, I was in la uh, just just the other day for uh some stuff surrounding clippers and warriors and you were just t- talking about something that that I was thinking about at the time, and it and you sh- it struck a chord, which is the way these two teams are approaching this regular season. And most of the teams that I covered as a beat guy uh, in this league could give a f- about the regular season. Um, everything was geared towards the playoffs, and they took their time getting into shape and kind of rounding into form. And that is how the Clippers are doing this. And yes, there have been some extenuating circumstances with Paul George being out in camp and and Kawhi not playing back-to-backs and barely participating in camp and so on and so forth. But they look okay considering the amount of talent they have. Whereas the Lakers, even though they've got you know a super highly decorated NBA Finals warrior in, in LeBron, like – they are approaching this regular season like it matters. They are going out on a Tuesday night in Oklahoma City or Minneapolis or wherever and kicking the living shit out of whoever they're playing. They're playing with a purpose. And I'm just – I'm curious like for you guys sort of take on this, on the – just on, on the, the differences in how these two teams who are supposed to be on a collision course for the conference finals, how they're approaching these games um, in, in, during the doldrum months of the season. Yeah, I'm a little surprised the Lakers haven't let their foot off the gas a little bit. Although I, I think you could probably point to this weekend. Um, you, we obviously don't really necessarily know what Anthony Davis is feeling or how how much pain he's in. Although he was on a plane to Green Bay on Sunday, so I mean he's obviously you, you know still living life. Um, you know, but and same with LeBron and his cold. It feels like these are things almost that I'm a the way the, they have attacked injury this year and illness. I was a little surprised that, um, that like AD didn't play one of those games. I was surprised LeBron sat out against Oklahoma city. Cause I think those of us who are kind of looking toward June and worrying about the load on these guys have been kind of wanting to see, to see a willingness to, to, you know, be smart about, about, um, about their game management. And, you know, you don't have to go all the way to the, the way the Clippers are doing it, but just not 
going balls to the wall, nose to the grindstone for all 82 games. You know, LeBron's already had already missed one. There wasn't going to be an 82 game slate. You know, there's probably some logic in pulling back. And I, I don't know necessarily if we can say definitively that's what happened this weekend, but um, the Lakers have played as though I, you know, and maybe it has something to do with the fact that this is a team that, that hadn't been to the playoffs in, in, in going on seven years. The fact that LeBron had heard criticism, like he'd never heard in his career over the summer. Um, nobody was calling him washed. Like he likes to say, and nobody had thought it was necessarily over, but I think there are some very re- reasonable questions about, okay, at age 35, can he be the same guy he was at 33? The last time he was um, in the hunt for a championship. Can he be the same? Can he, um, can he be as durable at that age? We've seen him take on a major injury. Is there more of that in his future? Things like that, that we just, you know, these are questions LeBron had not really encountered. And, and he is kind of setting the tone for this Lakers team. I think really trying to push back on all those questions and shut down those conversations and show that he is still, um, even a top five player in the league. I mean, there were top five lists that came out this summer that didn't have LeBron on them. And I think that sort of, sort of, this is a guy, Joe, you know, he hears all that stuff. He can act like it doesn't affect him, but like he certainly, um, uses it. Uh, you know, how many times has he posted washed King or revenge season in the, mm-hmm. on, on Instagram. So, I mean, it's certainly part of what he's trying to shape this year. So I think, I think, going and, you know, a hundred miles an hour all year long and, and dominating into the playoffs and dominating into the playoffs, um, is, is sort of the way they're approaching it. Now the Clippers have taken a very, uh, very relaxed approach as, as though they don't care. Um, they could be the eight seed. They would be fine. Um, no, I don't think they think they could be the eight seed, but they're sure not. No, playing. I like, think honestly wants to be the one seed. I think they're kind of intense. I mean, I think lately, maybe early, that was the approach. I think lately, even just in terms of dynamics and chemistry and whatnot, um, you know, I think they're they're trying to make sure that that what they have internally is right. So I think it's probably like results be damned. It's one of those coach speak things where they they could have nights where they lose by five, but if they if they were who they want to be, then they're fine for the most part. But um, I, I think early that was the approach. I think now they're realizing that you know it's it's a trip to watch because it's identity forming and it's you know looking around the room and figuring out who you are and i i don't know how you guys feel i honestly in terms of again it's outside looking in but we are constantly talking to people in all these different places um i like the lakers spirit better than i do the clippers i feel like the clippers are a squad that is continuing to figure out how to you know kind of breathe the same oxygen and the lakers seem to have a pretty uh, unique vibe between them but, but yeah, I mean, to the Lakers vibe, I mean, they have been, um, you know, and again, it goes back to LeBron setting the tone for this group. I mean, it's, you know, LeBron has made it clear. He's not going to miss games. So Anthony Davis doesn't miss games. Um, the, you know, LeBron setting the tone defensively. This is a group. I, I, I don't know if it's because they're all, they're all veterans who have, who have been in this, in similar situations before, whether it's, um, you know, you know, been on a championship team or on a, on a, on a team that was expected to, to make a deep run. This, there's just a seriousness about the Lakers. There is no, um, there really is no, uh, fat on this team in terms of like their culture and their, and their intensity. I mean, they come in to, to win games and there've been a few times where you've seen them maybe get a little distracted or, or kind of out of their, out of their game. I mean, you go back to that losing streak, obviously, but even then, 
you know, the losing streak was they played in Indiana without, without, without AD. They played in Milwaukee with a hurt, apparently hurt LeBron. They lose the next game against Denver without LeBron. And then the next game was, was the Christmas game that they should have won and, and ended up losing. So, I mean, not, not to make excuses for them, but the only time they lost, the only time they've really like been in a rut this year was they were, they had their two superstars playing through injuries or not playing. Right. Great stuff, brother. We're going to let you go. Uh, you and I obviously are both in California and I'm looking out the window. It's pitch black. So if you're doing yard work, you're going to need to get a spotlight. Bill Brown mulch or black. Oh, we're, we're going to do a, my, my, we were on, we were on La Brea in LA yesterday or two days ago. My wife saw something outside of a vintage store. So we're redoing it with black rock and white rock and succulents. There's no mulch. No, it's going to be, oh, it's, wow. we're going to, it's going to be, it's going to be cool as hell. You guys should come over. You've had a miserable weekend, <laughs> and I'm laughing. <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually it's actually been fun. I've learned some things about myself. That's that's for sure. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, All right, I'll see a, you. That's a date right there. We're gonna do the tampering pod from the Orem House at some point in the backyard. One of these days, brother. Front yard. Oh, front. It's front yard. Sorry. Sounds good. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Bill. We talk about physical fitness a lot. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but I run. Uh, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. And I'm, you know, I'm, of course, I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. You know, this life, this NBA life, uh, as a player, certainly as a coach, as a general manager, but but also as a reporter. I mean, you're talking about nightly going into these buildings with screaming loud music and thousands and thousands of people. And it, depending on your job, you're, you're actively working on a deadline. There's a lot of pressure involved with that. Um, you can be on TV. You sometimes have to roll up your sleeves and, and ask the tough questions. Your sleep patterns are terrible. Um, diet stinks. You got to try to mix in a workout every now and then. But all of that, it, not to mention just being away from home, I mean, all of that can take a toll. And you learn over time being in this job and, and, and in the NBA um, that, that mental health and mental fitness requires work. And Calm, I think, is, is certainly a way into that. It's just – it's a way to kind of reset your mind. It's something that you can use so you can sleep better, have less stress, and just overall perform at your best And for a limited time. Our listeners can join LeBron or, or me if, if you feel better with that. I don't know if you want to join LeBron. Uh, in using Calm with a 40% discount to annual membership at calm.com slash tampering. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash tampering. That's calm.com slash tampering. All right, Joe, that was our guy, Bill, uh, does a very good job. If you're not following him on the old social medias, do that. Um, he's on the ground figuring out what's going on with one of, if not the most interesting teams in the association, but there are plenty of other ones. And like we did last week, I know that you and I wanted to, to kind of drill down on, uh, you know, I mean, whenever you and I do work that we, uh, spend some time on and, and dig in on, on the, you know, with the written word, uh, to go behind that. Uh, on the pod as far as the uh, the stories that we're pumping out and stories that we've done you had a really fun piece this week on the Brooklyn Nets and not really about basketball at all it was all about the, the fact that these guys from Kenny Atkinson their head coach on down 
um, have embraced the community in Brooklyn from a life standpoint. They're picking, you know, their their house or apartment of choice um, based on proximity to the arena and the practice facility. Kenny gave you some fantastic color about his walk to games and how he's always out there in the brisk cold, seeing the people on the porches of coffee shops and their actual porches waving at the old lady, you know, uh, saying hello to the dog, things like that, that are, you know, very Americana. And my favorite part, I know I, I enjoy poking fun whenever you bring up your running because you are proud to be a runner, but here, here's the angle I was going to take is like, man, I, I, I learned something about you because guilt is a powerful thing. And you clearly felt guilty because you spent so much time in Brooklyn and I'm sure you went on so many runs, you know, that were on work trips and you expensed these trips and so it's like, well, if I'm going to be out here running in the, you know, the fine city of Brooklyn on the company dime, I should pay attention, take some notes, you know, talk to some people at the park uh, who, who might have seen Kyrie Irving at different points. Um, great color. You obviously, you know, kind of one of those stories that you put together for quite some time. Um, you know, what's the backstory with this piece and, and, you know, how did you feel about the, uh, the final outcome? So this, the story, uh, the story behind the story begins probably a year ago, almost now. Uh, I was reading a, there was a piece in the New York times about Joe Harris and he just mentioned in the story in passing that this was true, that most of these guys, um, most, most of the players lived in Brooklyn. And I just was floored by that. I'm like, Oh my God, this is, this is a story. Um, just seeing what it's like for these guys to take the take Uber or if any of them take the subway or, or what they end up doing. It, it, so the plan was always in November to try to pull this together. And um, and so over two separate trips uh, to, to Brooklyn, I, I was there for, I think, a total of 11 days maybe. And and you're right. Um, the, the Nets gave me great access to be able to talk to these guys and talk to them about what it is, where they live and why and what they see and what it's like. But I thought – because I don't live there and, and it's such a – even Brooklyn as a borough is still – it's sprawling and you don't know – you just if you're not from there, you don't really know. So so I spent a lot of time, um, like I ran the I ran the same route every day, which took me into uh, Brooklyn Bridge Park. I ran by all those piers that are in the story, and um, I walked from the hotel to the games. Uh, a couple of the games, I think I've I think I've been to like six net games this year, which is a, a high number. Um, I did that. I, I visited with these guys in grocery stores that they were going to and community center events. And and then there's Kenny Atkinson. I was feeling okay about the story. And then Kenny Atkinson sat down with me and just lit up. He said this is one of his favorite things to talk about and went into his how he walks to work and why and what he sees. And then he starts telling me about how he takes a cab home after the games and and the first thing he talks to his wife about is the cab driver from Pakistan and what they talked about on the way home and um, I I really did I I had a lot of fun reporting this Um, the one that kind of got away is that and it's in the story but KD is going to move there Uh, he's got a place in Manhattan but he wants to move to, to to Brooklyn and is actively looking like he's he's going to buy and um Really wanted him to to talk about this. Uh, could have maybe, I don't know what it would have added, but it would have been great. It, w- it would have been great to have his voice in there. And it, that one, he just he declined. Um, but 
you know, maybe having Kate too much KD may have gotten in the way of some of the other good stuff that we found and, and sort of kind of, you know, forcing me to, to go find sort of the average Joe who lives there. And, 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 and we are able to find a bunch of people who have seen these guys out and dealt with them out, like out in parks and in pizza shops. So, yeah, so I appreciate you reading. You, you, you absolutely did, uh, to, and got the color there. And, uh, yeah, I, I was, I was happy with it for no, sure. No, it was fun, man. It was fun. And, and, uh, the detail made the story the color. I mean, listen to to your point about Kevin and what that could have done for the piece. The Kenny, you know, Kenny kind of driving it, carrying it was fantastic. And and you you drew this thread or you know kind of created this thread between these Nets and the old Dodgers. And honestly, as a guy who grew up uh, as a little guy, I was hotter on baseball early than I was on basketball. And and so that kind of gets you if you if you care about baseball to sit up in your chair and go, man, that really is. Times have changed. You know, you're talking 2020 versus 1958. But uh, I, I thought that thread was kind of neat talking about how uh, Walter Alston, to make sure I have the name right here, the old Dodgers manager used to live in the neighborhood. And, and it is. It's like Kenny Atkinson is a modern day Walter Alston. The the other one um, that was fun was that idea that, and remind me which park it was where the uh, some of the, the Nets players actually have been spotted. I'm scrolling the page here to try yeah, to find that. It, it's called, it's literally called Brooklyn bridge park. It's uh, it's off. It's, it's under the bridge and just off to the side of it, obviously on the Brooklyn side, it's this beautiful uh, and it can't be very old. It's certainly part of the uh, gentrification of, of that uh, community. Uh, it's gorgeous. Uh, the nets have pumped some money into it. All the, all of the basketball hoops there have Brooklyn logo, Brooklyn nets logos on them. And yeah, every year um, th- there's two things. One, they, the nets actually practice there in the fall uh, outdoors and a- anybody can come for free and it's packed and people love it. And the other thing is that dudes just go there to hang out like Kyrie, like people have seen him just walking around or like dribbling a ball uh, Garrett Temple went down there with his girlfriend. They were walking his walking their dog and ended up like pulling up like on a bench and watched like some of these guys play basketball. Um, you know, people have seen KD down there. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie goes there all the time. Karis Levert, another one. Like he, Levert lives right next to uh, Kenny in, in Cobble Hill. So uh, it's just really and the thing and you know this, Sam. Like because we've both we've covered the league for a while. We've been beat guys. And you know that living arrangements in these individual cities can be really different. Uh, here in Ohio, where I live, I mean, you know, Ty Lu lived two blocks from me uh, in this town when, when he was coach. But, I mean, LeBron lived, I don't know, 40 minutes from here. And, and Kevin and Tristan lived 35. But then Kyrie lived 15 minutes from here. And, and Andy Verjao lives on lived on the same street as Ty, like just two blocks the other way. Um, and so you could be just totally spread out and for, for this whole team to be within, you know, one neighborhood or one community, just one like speck of an island, um, kind of just mixing in with the people. Like you never hear stories in Cleveland about uh, like some, some of the same stuff about how they are just kind of mixing in like that. I mean, I, I saw Jared Allen get out of Ubers like to come to practice or to go to a grocery store. And right. It's right. just different, totally different. Here's what's funny too, and actually kind of dovetails nicely into having Bill on the show is that if you remember, Bill did a super interesting interview with uh, Jared Dudley, NBA yes. journeyman, Lakers, Lakers veteran. And Jared actually mentioned in that interview that one of the advantages of playing in Brooklyn 
was living, uh, having the practice facility fairly close to the arena and how different that was from the Knicks. And he even took some credit for telling, I think, Kevin and Kyrie both about that dynamic and, you know, kind of framed it in a way like that that dialogue that they had had played some part in where those guys' heads were at as they were chewing on their different options. Um, I dig it. I think it's cool. Good on, you know, Brooklyn for the Nets for being smart enough to kind of construct their stuff the way they have because it is we we've talked before about how the nets uh to a certain degree are like the east coast version of the clippers you've got to hustle harder you gotta you gotta rewrite history because the other team in town you know they're the ones that have the fans they have you know that that whole kind of the, the business edge all of the above you got to do things differently um obviously a, a pretty neat vibe and landscape that the nets have going so let me ask you this um who on your big board list of 16-ish players about to be traded, who among them is going to be moving to Brooklyn? Ooh, good question. I don't know the Nets, uh, the Nets big board all that well. You're testing my, <laughs> my Nets intel. Um, I mean, in free agency, that's a different story. Uh, I don't know what – it'll have much money left. But, I don't uh, think so. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. They uh, They got Kyrie back. Now they get to survey the landscape and see how they look. Um, well, funny thing about writing that big board is I enjoy doing it. It's a, it, it's one of those, like it's, it's a heavy task in terms of just the volume of, I mean, like full disclosure, it, it was going to start like our NHL team did a similar thing and they did 27 players on the big board. Now, granted, I snuck in some guys where I didn't highlight them, but then I would mention them. So if you want to, Talk about how many names there were. It was probably in the 25 range. Um, you could do a list, though, of, of 50 guys because uh, it's all, you know this, Joe, like it's just all about the dynamics. You know, we talked a ton about Kuzma. Well, why is Kuzma up for discussion? Because, you know, again, the Lakers don't have that many options to make their roster better. They're contending for a title. You know, I, I'm looking at the list here. Why is Danilo Gallinari uh, up for discussion? Because he's on an expiring contract and he's really good and he could help a contender. Um, and so that's the stuff. If you're a casual fan and you don't track this stuff that closely, I do think it's informative because it basically just tells you that uh, it's not about, you know, I think sometimes fans have this misnomer of, you know, getting traded or being talked about in possible trade scenarios is some sort of indictment of, of that guy's game that he's just, you know, this, this, this kind of, trash player that you know somebody wants to get rid of i mean it's all about obviously the the contract and the status of that how it impacts the team and its money going forward and its plans uh where you are at within the current kind of construct of the team that you're on how much do you matter how much do you not matter or if you're a hell of a player it's just you know could they get something uh, that fits their squad better so uh enjoy doing that i'll probably try to do it again as we get closer to the trade deadline on February 6th. Well, um, let me ask you a question about that though. Um, so yeah. how, how long, like how, how many calls do you make going into actually writing that story? I mean, I know you're talking to guys all the time. Um, so, but is this stuff, like, is this information that you're kind of casually jotting down over a couple week period? Or did you, I don't know, sit down Monday and start making calls until Wednesday or Thursday? No. So it's longer than that, partly because honestly, I was going to write a notebook just trying to get into trade thoughts and information going into this. Uh, shout out to Sergio Gonzalez, our NBA editor, 
who had actually said, you know, what if you go ahead and, and package it in this big board concept that we had done again with other sports and people seemed to enjoy it. So it, it made it, it's funny because when I filed it, Sergio, and now we're getting behind the curtain, but you know, he was a little surprised at how quickly I was able to give it to him because it was about a day and a half, two days after we first discussed it. And it's like, well, I was already putting some of these thoughts together. Um, I don't know your process, Joe. It's, uh, I'm, I'm sharing all my little secrets here lately. You know what I've been excited about is I've never been a Google Docs guy. I've been a Microsoft and, and, and man, now all of a sudden I do find myself, you know, using Google Docs like crazy. And in particular, you know, one, <clears throat> excuse me, one file where it's, it's just notes and Intel and things I'm hearing and you can constantly update it and you just never know where or when you're going to want to use it or how it's going to come in handy but it helps you actually put down things so that you don't forget them that you heard. Um, and, and so that had been happening for a few weeks leading into this story. So with Google Docs, um, when we all got together in 2014 to cover the Cavs and they had all these stars and we knew that everything that everyone said on the record was like v very important. So we created a Google Doc. This is among like the four or five people, maybe six, who were covering the team every day at that time, which is a big number. Um, and and we made a Google document for every player, the head coach, and the general manager. And every day that they spoke in front of reporters, that wasn't uh, you know that that wasn't a um, an exclusive. Everything went into that Google Doc, and so that's how I learned to use those things. At Cleveland, at, at the place that I worked at the time, Cleveland.com, I think we had like a we had some kind of a deal with with Microsoft, or like we we were ordered not to use Google Docs and just flatly ignored that. Flatly, flatly ignored it. Used Google Docs the whole time. No, it's great. So it's great. I love it. The thing, in I, fact, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say now we're getting way deep in the weeds. I even. Uh, I'm kind of out of control with the Google Docs lately. I even started a, a family file because you know I, you can relate to this. I drive my wife nuts because she never knows where I'm going to be, and so we we now have a Sam schedule Google Doc with uh, upcoming nights at the arena, upcoming road trips, and uh, and the kids are even old enough to to take a peek at it themselves. And you know, technology, man, it's a crazy thing. I wanted to tell you just this is funny. Um, so yeah, so. Uh, was around the Warriors and got a chance to see Steph uh, work out, and he looks great. I mean, it looks it's amazing that they're going to slow play this. Um, as far as bringing him back, just because the 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 amount that he was working out and the kinds of shots he was getting off, he looks great. So you know, I'm not around the Warriors very much uh, day to day, or certainly during the year for for any number of reasons. Not the least of which is that we have four incredibly capable people <laughs> who work for the Athletic in San Francisco, and then you are an hour away. So I feel like we got them covered. Um, but but I'm working on something where I need their voices. Um, and so I was there. I got a chance to talk to Steve. Got a chance to talk to Mike Brown for something. And then I didn't expect Steph to be on the road, but of course he was, he was there for that. And, um, and, and, you know, I, I don't know if he knows my name, right? I don't, I know he knows my face from all the finals. Um, I've covered every finals that he's been to and, you know, you, you can meet those guys that way. And there's been a couple all-stars, but he, 
He probably just muttered that sense of LeBron guy. Here he comes. That, 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 <laughs> that very well could be. And that's, um, but so I saw him and uh, I'm like, all right, here's my, here's my in. Cause you know, he's, he's hurt. He's not talking to, to reporters. So I said, Hey, Steph. And he turned on, he stopped. It was good. He stopped. He said, Hey man, what's going on? I'm like, Hey, is, uh, you know, two, as two of the three most famous people ever born at Akron city hospital, I feel like I should ask you this question. <laughs> and so I asked him and he goes, Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. All right. Let me think on that. I'm, I'm going to go talk to my people and then I'll come back. And uh, of course, 20 minutes go by. He never comes back. And so I went and kind of stood like in the hallway there waiting for him uh, to come back from hanging out with family. And um, he did come back, uh, but never turned back towards where I was standing and never looked up from his phone. And um, so I guess the hospital connection didn't quite work out for me. Man, you know, though, Joe, keep doing it because I, I love how you exhaust every possible edge, you know, with your profile. You know how to work it. I like that. I like that. Hey, I have, I'm going to, I'm going to end on a, a good juicy note. I've made the editorial decision to share a fun little anecdote All right. that is a tampering exclusive. Mm. Um, I might end up, uh, who knows, I might write this down the line. Um, but uh, it's somewhat timely, so I think it's uh, worth sharing here. The other night, the Bucks play the Warriors, and as everybody saw on social media and on TV, Steph Curry goes, well, Steph was actually talking to to somebody, and then at one point he connects with Giannis out of the Kumpo. Now, obviously, rumors for quite some time that the Warriors, like so many other teams, would love to get their hands on Giannis. Uh, he has to decide this summer if he's going to sign his uh, max extension, and then, you know, potentially could be a free agent two summers from now. So we are, it's, it's that stage where we monitor superstar interactions and relations. And they also um, have the same agent, Jeff Austin of Octagon. Uh, Alex Tarasas is Giannis's main agent, but the same agency. So some of these connections and our colleague and buddy, Chris Haynes, after this whole interaction created so much buzz, had actually reached out to Steph to find out, hey, what were y'all talking about post-game? after the the Bucks beat the Warriors. And so he had said that, you know, Steph told him via text message that they uh, were talking about connecting on a video game. I want to say it's PUGC, something like that. I'm, I'm out of touch on that front. I, you know, bottom line, they were going to play a game together. And to Chris's credit, at the end of his quote-unquote report, he laughed and kind of grinned on, on the video uh, report that he put out and said, don't shoot the messenger. Like, Steph's obviously trolling. It's fine. It's his prerogative. They don't, these guys don't need to tell us what they were talking about. But then the Bucks come to Sacramento, and I did get a chance to say hello to Giannis postgame. And, uh, and I, we talked about something else, which actually I was excited to get for a different story. And I said, uh, hey, got to ask you, like you and, you and Steph playing some, some video games together, huh? Like you looking forward to that? And he laughs and he goes, oh, it's 2K, 2K. It, it wasn't that other game. It was 2K. And, but he, we, we kind of put the jokes aside for a quick second. He had uh, told me that they actually swapped jerseys that night, which I thought was interesting. And I think one part of that had been reported. I had seen the tweet or something that Giannis had a Steph Jersey uh, at his locker uh, after that game. So uh, that is uh, more of kind of what the interaction actually entailed. Uh, and then of course, naturally I said, Oh, and, you know, and then you talked about playing 2K and and he threw up uh, he threw up air quotes and just kind of laughed. And as he was walking away to jump on the bus, he says, yeah, 2K, 2K, that's it. So he didn't really work very hard to I mean, he had fun with it, which I think is great. And I don't think, listen, 
you know, he does not need to be all uptight about some of this gossip and innuendo and speculation that goes on. Like you're a hell of a player. Everybody in the league wants you just let, just let the buzz happen. You know what I mean? Like he even shared, he's like, Steph's a fun guy. I don't know him that well. He does go out of his way to say hello when I see him. Um, You know, he wasn't trying to sit there and act all uncomfortable just because, you know, obviously the backdrop is could the Bucs lose Giannis, but you know, the Bucs are, are run by big boys. They kind of know what the landscape looks like, but a little more of that story that uh, I thought was worth sharing. And now it's out there that, that this is, this has been the aggregation uh, portion of our show. Yes. (laughs) So, you know what? Um, This is insane, but I don't care. Um, I would, I I don't think I'm ultimately going to do this, but I would like to vote for Steve Kerr for coach of the year. Wow. Yeah. I think you just you're just trying to one up me on the hot take uh, meter here. Here it is. Let's hear it. I, I just I'm sorry. Um, you can't you can't give uh, the coach of a team that's won nine games or whatever the, the that that award. But the way that he is handling this is is just is remarkable. And uh, I'm in awe and and appreciate uh, how he's doing it so much. That story of, you know, them kicking the rocket's ass on Christmas Day and the ref coming over at the end telling him to get the guys to quit jumping around on the baseline. And he said, told the ref, no, said this has been a shitty year and we're going to enjoy the moments that we get. Um, You know, he's still he's competing every night. He's getting technicals. You know, he's he's fighting for his guys and he goes out there knowing they're going to lose and they're going to blow fourth quarter leads. And he's never been through anything like this as a coach. And um, it's not wearing on him, at least not not public, not uh, on his face or body language or anything like that. Uh, at all and so I just I think he's been great and you know I, I probably won't cast that vote because of the headaches that it would cause but I I would love to I really would well I don't know that the respect needs to be attached to that award you know what I mean like I think mm-hmm. you know your your perspective is substantive and genuine and you know I think that uh that getting highlighted matters um and he is man he's he's intense I t- it's t- on that front when they came through Sacramento recently, uh, I chatted with Mike Brown, obviously his lead assistant coach, associate head coach, and, and a former head coach himself. And one of the things that Mike had shared was that just the general idea that within this season, that uh, some people, if you don't truly know Steve Kerr, seem to have forgotten how competitive he is. Like, just don't think for a second that every one of these losses isn't killing him. It's not a sense of, well, you know, let's just hit the pause button. We're going to get staff back later this season. We'll have play by next year, you know, and, and we'll be off and running again. You know, the joke's on you. The Warriors, Warriors uh, will be back soon enough. No, he's in the basketball trenches every day right now, uh, trying to develop the young guys, trying to compete and, you know, and, and do what he does. And he's not going to change just because they have this, this uh, wild kind of outlier of a season. All right, my friend. I think we've covered it. We have indeed. We've covered it all. Thank you to Mr. Orem for joining us. Thank you to uh, Joe Varden for uh, setting the new tone in the Coach of the Year debate. We'll see if uh, the rest <laughs> of the media masses follow. Probably not. <laughs> good stuff, I wouldn't brother. follow me with anything. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and good, good luck with Steph next time. That didn't go so well for you. But 
All right. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for the loyal listeners. If you haven't subscribed just yet on Apple Podcasts, do that. Leave a nice review. Tell us what you think. Always trying to get better on the pod. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you.